Hello and welcome to the Red Robin Podcast, powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants, the independent Hulkington Rovers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Red Robin Podcast Weekly and it is another exciting edition. Of course, we come to you after our famous victory against Helens last Friday with Castleford Tigers up next. Confidence is very high. And there's a raft of news emanating from the club, including England international call-ups, players on the move, lots and lots of stuff. Graham, I'll come to you, mate. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast once again. It's always a pleasure to be able to speak to you about Hulkingston Rovers. Um, Derby Day victory, 40 points to nil. Everyone's on cloud nine. People wondering, probably hoping, we might be able to get a result against the St. Helens. And really, Graham, it was a... A pretty comprehensive and at times pretty comfortable victory in the end. It was evening, John. Evening, everybody. Um, yeah, it was. I won't say comfortable. I think the first half was attritional. It wasn't the best rugby we've ever played. Definitely in the first forty, but we certainly had to to work hard to, to match Saints, and it was very very even without both teams being at their best, no doubt. But second half. I thought we came into our own and showed a lot of the control that we've um, that we've demonstrated over the last few weeks, and we looked composed. We scored at the right times. We defended very well, and again, it wasn't until the last few minutes when Saints got a few points on the board that one or two in the crowd maybe started having that. Oh no, is this going to be one of those games? But actually, no. We closed it out very well, and like you say, it ended up a on paper a, a comprehensive victory that we we fully deserved again. Yeah, and do you know what I think was really interesting, Graham, is uh, in the post-match press conference and, and even this week, uh, Willie Peters was talking about how the first half, he wasn't happy with the performance um, and how um, it wasn't a great spectacle. Um, for me, though, the key of it being is that at, even though Rovers probably weren't firing on all cylinders, still went into the sheds eight all. We was in the game. And, and it looked like there was plenty more to come. And I'd say that was pretty much Rovers um, this season so far, actually, Graham, that although, yes, we've been playing very well, there seems to be a lot more come from this side. And and um, going in at half-time, eight-all, you felt like if Rovers could um, get that game for the take, and, and it's credit to Willie P and the side that they was able to do that because, again, season's gone by, no doubt, St. Ellen's would have probably capitalised on that eight-all half-time score and it would have been them who, who came away with a win. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's been a lot of um, talk around Saints who are missing a few players, etc. But so are we. And whoever pulls on a Saints jersey, you know you're in a game. And I think we had to, we had to first of all, in that first half, match what they did and not get overawed by having the world champions on our turf and we certainly didn't look overawed and we certainly competed uh, both on offence and, and defence as well. And like you say, half-time going in level, that should be a nice shot in the arm for you to take into the break to say, look, hang on a minute, we're, we're still in this and we aren't playing particularly well. Let's tidy these areas up and let's play our game and let them worry about us rather than having to worry about what Saints are doing because they offered a little bit 
in, in the first half, but we looked comfortable in defence. We didn't look overawed by them and they didn't certainly dominate us through the middle, which possibly was to be expected with, with some of their middles missing. But still, like I say, whoever pulls on a Saints jersey, you know you're in for a game and if you come away with two points, you have, you have to go and earn it. They don't give you the two points. Yeah, and uh, the mantra very much for Willie Peters is that if Rovers lose a game, it's not necessarily because of the opposition, it's because Rovers haven't executed their game plan and it's all about Rovers. So you're right, you could get caught up in the in the fact that we're playing the well, the club world champions, you know, St Helens, you know, historically very successful side and they have, they have an aura about them, albeit this season, they haven't quite hit the straps yet. But I think what... What's really important is that Willie Peters is, is putting a game plan in place with Wilkinson Rovers. The press conference yesterday ahead of the game, you know, he was asked a question about uh, the pitch and, and the conditions to Expressilford. And he said, it's not about them. It's about our plan and whether we execute it or not. And you could tell he was a little bit frustrated about Rovers in the first half because there were certain players, and, and Reese Kennedy was one of them, who wasn't performing to the standards he to the game plan that he set out? Yeah, I think that's that goes back, John. If you if you sort of recall back right at the beginning of the season, Peters was talking about a belief for the squad, and it doesn't feel that we actually believe in ourselves. And I, I I've been on here with you, and we've talked about this before. Around it's about time we did believe in ourselves. We can be good. You know, and compete with the Wigan. We've we've knocked off Wigan, Leeds, Saints, Hull this season already, and we're only nine games in. So those are some scalps to to, to take, and you don't get those uh, as gimmies. You you have to end those. So we're doing something right, and I think now more and more you can see things building each week that the players are completely bought into it and and understand. And it was interesting when when you're talking about game plans and how how it's. I guess it's not easy to read it when when it's being executed on the on the field in the in the here and now but looking back at games you can clearly see that we're quite methodical in our approach not very risk taking in, in the wrong areas of the field as it were when when there's no need to take risks and when it does happen as in Reese Kennedy for example um, it stands out like a sore thumb as that's not the game plan that we've talked about silly errors or poor discipline whatever it is that's not part of our game plan and that's something that players have got to learn and uh, you know and adapt to and you know sometimes Times when players have a have a stinker, um, then sometimes the manager or the coach comes out and glosses over that. I think Peters has been very honest and he's talked about conversations that we, he's had with Kennedy to say that that's not up to our standards, and and Kennedy's admitted that you know the, the same as well that he's got work to do to improve certain areas of his game. But I'm sure, like everybody, we've seen some really positive, strong games that Kennedy's played, and that's the the bit that we're, we're focusing on. If he can tidy up some of those discipline areas and, and some of those ball carry areas uh, as well, he's shown enough for me that that is a is a player that we should be uh, utilising more and more in each game rather than just a 20-minute block like he got on, on Friday evening. Yeah, and, you know, Willie Peters doesn't sugarcoat things and it's, it's through his actions. You can tell uh, what his intent is. We've seen uh, Ethan Ryan drop after an indifferent start to the season. We saw Jez Litton hooked against Lee. After he uh, he came up with a, a crazy offload, which led to a lead try, we've seen Reese Kennedy now um, hooked after 20 minutes yet to return, um, which is quite a bold statement, isn't it? When you're playing a team of the ilk of St Helens, that you're almost committing, well, you, you're giving away 
an, an interchange. Uh, but I suppose when you're setting your standards high, it sends a marker not just to that player, but to every other player within that squad. If you don't hit the levels I expect of you, then there's no shortcut. You're out, and it's up to you to then get your place back in the back in the side and to earn it. Absolutely, and that that should promote healthy competition for for players, and it should improve the standards. Because if I'm playing, I don't want to be sat on the bench or in the stands. I want to be playing. I'm a, I'm a player. I want to play. So. If I if my poor discipline or my poor ball handling is a reason that I'm not playing, I need to go away and do something about that. I need to improve myself to help improve the team. So, and again, that can go to where some people will embrace that challenge and and go away and work hard and and, and affect change within the game or themselves. And some might get a sulk on and and you know not particularly contribute toward the, the whole squad environment that's needed during the Monday to, to, to Thursday, for example, and, and on, on game day. So it's interesting to see who's who's going to embrace that and who, who might be upset by being left in the stands or or out of favour, what appears out of favour with the coach and how they react to it and, and see what type of characters they all are. Definitely. Huge thank you to everybody who's tuning in on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, good evening, Derek, Michael. Uh, Lee, Craig, Foxy. Uh, remember, if you are watching this on YouTube, either live now or uh, on the stream afterwards, please make sure that you like it. like Hit the like button and subscribe. And, of course, if you're watching on Facebook, give us a big thumbs up. Um, and if you listen on podcast, remember to subscribe to your channels to make sure you get the podcast as soon as it comes out. But, of course, a huge thank you to, to everyone who's either watching or listening to the podcast this week. Um, Graham, Willie Peters, um, it became something of a, um, something Tony Smith became a, a bit renowned for, and that was his um, left field team selections and, and you know, not afraid to, to, to move people about and, you know, I dare say it worked for him on occasions, I don't think it always did, but what you would say is that Willie Peters has made a number of team selections that most fans, A, wouldn't able to predict um, and definitely wouldn't have seen it coming. And again, on Friday night, we saw that again when Sean Canadow lined up on the wing, uh, Tom Opacic on his inside centre, and then Corey Hall, partnering Ryan Hall, uh, no relation, of course, over on the left. And um, apart from that first try, what uh, Johnny Lomax scores, I mean, they go nearly, what, 60 metres up the pitch, um, to score that first try of the game, you'd say Sean Kennedy was probably at fault for that try. But in the whole, it was a, a team selection that worked. Absolutely. And it, it was one of them where I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in the stands were scratching their heads about Sean Kennedy's effectiveness on the wing. But it was safe under the high ball. It was aggressive running out of backfield, again, which we, we know he can do. Obviously, he was on the other side of the pitch. So visually, things look a bit different on, on the right to, to the left, where he's, where he's usually. And even read one of the tweets that when the, the squad was announced that somebody said, you've got your centres the wrong way around, they're on the wrong side of the field, meaning Hall and, and, and Kenny Dowell. So, again, I think people were, uh, sorry, Opacic and, and Kenny Dowell, I think people were genuinely fooled by that. But, again, he's he's trusting players to, to, to carry out responsibilities. Obviously, we know SKD is a, a, a proper senior pro and will turn his hand to, to anything that's asked of him for the, for the squad. So, I wasn't particularly worried by it, and it actually we actually again looked even more solid. Dara said on that right edge with Upper Chicken and, and SKD in there, and 
again, just throwing it out there to everybody, what what did everybody think about Corey Hall's debut? Because I was very impressed with with Corey Hall and the way he, he conducted himself. And according to the pre-match interview that that Peters did, it was quite a last minute call that that he made. Um, the reason well, Sam, was Sam Wood was nailed on to be playing. He was. Sam Wood was nailed was. on to be playing. Yeah. Some, um, some so happened in training, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, again, Corey Hall. Hall yeah, didn't didn't phase him. He seemed to run very aggressively, carried the ball well, defended very well. Looked, you know, looked a, a fantastic prospect for us at only twenty years of age as well. And looking back to the to the trade that we've done with with Dags and and Corey Hall, I definitely think we've got the better end of the stick on that one. Definitely, and uh, Corey Hall on debut, seventeen tackles. Three tackle busts, 14 carries, 118 metres, 8 metre average gain. And Willie Peters talked about um, how impressed he was by his aggression and particularly in second half, his kick chase. Um, he laid down a real good marker for, for the Robins. So he's got, Willie Peters got a hell of a dilemma on his hands, whether he, he changes a winning side um, or does he, you know, obviously look at what Cass are offering and, and, and make changes to court. Because like, we've just mentioned he's not afraid to do it is he no and I think I think he'll probably go with the fact John that he wants to impose whole KR style on, of play on Castleford rather than worried about what Castleford have got to throw at us yes you've got to be aware of it and, and, and they'll be uh, watching the playbacks and, and marking players out to, to, to keep an eye on but he wants to, to for us to be the ones that dictate in play and he wants them to worry about us more than us worry about them and that's a great place for us to be in because it's easy to say that and a lot harder to do it. And now we're actually going ahead and doing it. People probably not be excited about playing against Tolkien because they know what they're going to be up against and they know that they're going to be in for a tough game. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned Castleford because we're going to park the conversation about St Helens just for now, Graham, because I'm very excited because I've just seen Scott Morell's ready to come and join us. Um, wow. and talk to us about Castleford on Friday night. So I'm sure it's going to be a very entertaining Scott Morell, how are you doing? All right, John, how are you? All right, Graham? Hi, Scott. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Excellent. And you come fresh to us, Scott, after um, the announcement that Andy Last has got the permanent uh, head coach role at Castleford. Does, does, are you still in a job now, Scott? Yeah, yeah. Now uh, it's, I think it's uh, um, I think it's the right man for the job. His, his last days, he's done his apprenticeship. Has been an assistant coach, and uh, I've been with him this short time for the last four months, and I'm learning, learning day in, day out uh, about the game and about how I can get better as a coach and how I can get better as a youth coach as well. So, uh, last is a is a is the right man for the job, and hopefully can take this club for, further forward now. Yeah, and of course you get you you've transitioned from playing into coaching now. How have you found it, Scott? Are you still chomping at the bit to get out on the pitch in training and and show the lads what you can do? Or are you, are you quite happy to take a back back? Uh... Yeah, I'm quite happy to uh, take a take a back seat now. Obviously, I've had I've had my time uh, playing over the last 19 years. I think it was, but um, you still get that bit of banter what you have with, with lads week in, uh, day in day out uh, with, um, with the first team and then obviously with the reserves as well but uh, I just my body don't miss it but uh, I think my head does sometimes yeah and it is a it is a difficult transition I suppose but 
I suppose Scott, in your in your, the time of your career, he was probably ready for that change. And, and obviously, it was Lee Radford, I think, who brought you in to the fold. And and you'd be grateful. I know, obviously, Lee's moved on now, but you must still be enjoying your time at Castleford, although results aren't going quite the way you want them just at the moment. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, it's obviously, I played for Keith last year, and I was working for for a company there called A1 Stairlifts, and having to get up at half past four in the morning to go to work and then to go to training at six o'clock on the night and not getting home to see my kids till like 10 o'clock bedtime. So uh, to get that phone call off off, off Radder's uh, start year, it was, it was an opportunity that I couldn't turn down and and uh, I'll be forever grateful for, for Lee for giving me that chance. And and, and for now, um, my job is to, to assist Lasty and, and, and get Castleford back to winning ways. Yeah, and only two victories so far this season um, I guess you'll be hoping now that Andy's got the job permanently there's a bit of security there a bit of stability going forward and, and you'll be looking probably to Friday night to, to lay down a marker and get your season kick-started and, and off to a good start now that Andy's got the job permanently Yeah well, um, since uh, we've got picked a couple of wins up, just, as defence has tightened up we just need to, to sort of as attacking style out and get to completing some sets and uh, get some points on the board and uh, I'm sure I'll be okay. Yeah, there's, I've just seen actually uh, uh, Castleford actually leads so play with the amount of errors and I suppose it's common errors which are going to help you get better field position, get you <clears> playing <throat> in the right areas of the pitch, etc. But um, it's not always easy. Obviously, Andy's been wheeling and dealing, a few players coming in. Two of them players, of course, uh, one former Robin, Will Tate and Lewis Johnson on loan. Uh, what impact have they had? I know Will Tate's only been there uh, what a week, and I think Louis Z played one game so far. But what impact have they made at Castleford so far? Yeah, they've brought, they've brought a, a, um, a lot of energy into, into the training day in day out stuff. Um, obviously, Will Tate played for me uh, for the reserves against um, OKR on, on Saturday and had a, had a great game. And uh, very excited to see what, what them two youngsters uh, can bring to, to Cast this year. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh... Well, a bit gutted, really, because I think Louis Johnson can play on Friday night, can't he? Um, and he, he's one player that I um, I really admired at Rovers, and um, obviously we don't know what the future holds for him, but I do think he's got a he's a really good player, and he's had a, a good pre-season. He's fully fit. I think he was chomping at the bit at Rovers. Obviously, the competition ahead of him meant that he wasn't getting much game time, hence why he's gone to Castleford. But he looks a real good proposition, I think, Scott. Yeah, he's an athlete. He's, he's, he's Lewis. He's coming in his... He's training the house down and uh, I think he, he's had a couple of bad injuries over the last couple of years, which he's been in and out of the team. Uh, so I just think he needs that consistency of training and playing week in, week out and getting in there. And you'll see him get better and better and better for Castleford this year. Yeah, and the squad news, which was announced early today, no, Gareth Widdup, he'll be a big loss. Um, how do you cope? Who's sort of one of your main talisman like that, Scott? And, and you'll be used to that when... Yourself in your playing days, you know, when you lose one of your most influential players, how, how you cope with that? Yeah, that's that's why it's a team sport. We've got people in, in that squad who can who can drop in. I think I think Young Broad if, uh, has shown over the last few weeks when Gaz Gaz hasn't been in the squad that he's he's, he's more than uh, capable of uh, stepping up to the task at, uh, in the house if he gets put there this week. But I think that's a big thing for us. We just need to get to get as players on the field. We haven't had a spine. I think we've all had a spine as. Uh, six, seven, one, and nine on the field together once this year. So uh, I think that's a big thing going forward is getting getting them healthy bodies on that field and getting some confidence back into us playing and uh, picking some wins up. 
Yeah, and Graham, the span is so important, isn't it? I mean, when you look at Rovers this season and, and where our majority of success has come from, it's come from Abdul, Lewis, Coote, Parcel, throwing Minchella at loose forward. You've then got Lytton. You know, the, we've got a, a really good spine there that, that makes things happen for the Robins. Yeah, yeah, they're playing really well at the moment. Okay, um, obviously, uh, new coach coming in, Willie Peters, has had a, has had a big impact on them uh, stiffing up with the defence. I think they've never been um, shy of scoring points on Okay, they've always been good at throwing a ball. But I think Willie Peters coming in this year, the, the defence has stiffened up uh, too. Yeah, I agree. Agree, John, as well. Got a... Sorry, sorry, Chris, yeah, I was just going to say that. We, we, yeah, we, we've seen it this year. We've seen a huge improvement in being able to put your one, six, seven, nine on the, the same players on the pitch. At the, you know, each week there's that continuity there. There's there's that fluidity. It, it is so important to teams. And, and as Scott's alluded to, we've been suffering from it for the last few seasons as well with injuries and suspensions, where you, you, you're chopping and changing every week, and it's very hard to get your combinations going, bringing in new players to to adapt and hit the ground running from you know from minute one. It is so important for for successful teams to to have that you know to have that spine in place and and retain it for as much as possible through the season, for as long as possible for you know certainly at the back end uh, of the season when it's the the business end you you want that fully firing as opposed to you know as, as we found out and as, as Cass are finding out at the minute you can't get your one six seven nine on the pitch week in week out it, it it's challenging and yet you're having to. Sometimes, like we've done, put square pegs in round holes. Sometimes, yeah. And you want a lot of games this season, Scott. You haven't been a million miles away. I mean, even if you look at the game against Salford, fourteen points to six. You know, you you're in the game, um, so it gives you hope, doesn't it? That you know, all you need is that one win round the corner, and before you know it, you know, you get a couple of wins on the bounce. And Super League this season, I think. All you need to do is get two or three wins together and you go from bottom to top like that. It's it a really uh, competitive league. The, uh, the day in, day out, the boys are working hard for each other. As you can see, over the last few weeks, they've been working hard in games. It's just a bounce of a ball or a decision or an error what's going against us, which is putting us on the back foot. And we really, teams are putting putting us to sort and putting some points on us. But uh, believe me, the boys are working hard. Everyone... One to thirty-four in the squad are all working hard day in day out to put put this right and get a win on Friday. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't expect you to reveal any kind of game plan whatsoever, but you must have spotted some weaknesses in the Rovers side we're looking to exploit on Friday night. Yeah, we've uh, we've done some video on Rovers. Obviously, uh, all the right, the spine are playing well, like you've alluded to early on, Graham, um, but. Yeah, we've, we've we've worked hard this week. We've uh, put a few wrongs uh, right from our game against Salford, and we've we've trained hard on on Monday and Tuesday, and um, we've got game prep tomorrow. So yeah, we've we've trained hard this week, and we're really looking forward to the to the challenge. In okay. And I suppose, Scotty. I mean, no matter how much preparation you do, when you've got a player like uh, coming up against a player like Mikey Lewis, who can do things off the cuff, can be so unpredictable. It's sometimes very hard to, to to make a plan for that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think that the both halves are complement each other. Um, I think Abdul's really good at uh, controlling the game and his kicking game, and that allows Michael Lewis to be the player what he is, a little bit instinctive and getting up back of them breaks and, and taking that line on and 
also you've got you've got Cooter back there as well, which is uh, obviously we all know his his career speaks for itself, and he's he's really just stepping into line and them champagne moments. But obviously we've worked hard this week as well, and uh, we're really looking forward to the challenge. But I think we're up to it. Yeah, and uh, you were someone who's, who started uh, in the game relatively young. You got your opportunity early playing a lot of first team rugby, and Mikey Lewis is very similar. Um, I mean, obviously, he's a, a few pounds lighter than you, Scotty. Um, and James we'll Webster's going we'll to play. <laughs> I've got a video to show you later on uh, that you might have already seen. Um, but no, I mean, seriously, Mikey Lewis, do, do you think he's the real deal? Because he certainly looks it to me. I think if he could keep his, his feet grounded and, and, his, and his, keep uh, his head down and, and working hard, it's... I think he he can do. Yeah, he's got all the talent and the attributes there to be a top player. But um, sometimes that working hard, that mentality to work hard and, and, and want to be the best and want to do that day in day out. It's uh, it's not just a, an overnight thing. It's a it's a career thing as well. Then top players, uh, they've got that mentality to be the best every day at training. Yeah, and I suppose you'll know, Scotty. There'll be tons of players who've had the ability. They've just not ever applied themselves or the They've, they've believed their own hype kind of thing and, and, and got carried away with themselves. And, you know, it's a short career, but before, you know, if, you, if you're not prepared to do the hard stuff and, and, and knuckle down, um, you know, you, your career can easily be taken away from you. But I get a sense with Mikey that he's very grounded. He doesn't seem to be the, the flash arrow. He does his talking on the pitch and then when he's away from it, you don't really pretty much hear. And I wonder, uh, Scott, whether... It might be an outside tip to start for England against France in the in the internationals that are coming up. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be good, wouldn't it? Um, obviously, if you've got you've got George Williams there and and, and his other halfback uh, partner Abdo, which I think he's been I think he's been equally as uh, as outstanding this year, controlling that team and directing them around the park. But yeah, that that's what we want. We want young English players playing well, don't we? We want them to give that opportunity on that big stage and. Um, Hopefully, if you can get a few England caps in the next few years and then look into that 2025 World Cup. Yeah, and looking at the squad for, for Friday, uh, Moser, I mean, it's a bit like home from home. You've got, what, six former Rovers players in there. If you count Johnson, that's seven. Um, I mean, there must be some good banter. And obviously, there's a few old, old XLFC players in there, of course, Andy, you know. Um so there's a few few people from uh, over the, the the east side, but the banter and stuff flying around must be uh, must be what keeps you going on the training ground. Yeah, it is. It is obviously we've got a few extra overs players there, and obviously we've we've all got fond memories of memories of playing for that for, for Old Kingston Rovers, and um, but obviously we've got a job to do as well as a, as a professional outfit. We we've got to get uh, get them two points on on Friday night. Yeah, well that's the serious stuff out the way, was there? I caught with James Webster earlier today. So, obviously, you've done a heritage cast for us where we interview former players about their time. And someone's actually just commented on YouTube, Stuart Wilson. He's put a uh, thank you, Scott, for that wonderful memory of that hit on Fitzgibbon in the 2020, uh, 2010 playoff game. Stuff of legends, that one. I suppose that is one one on your highlight reel, isn't it? Yeah, I think that made my career, really. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's one of them things, isn't it? Obviously, yeah, we with them weeks, what we're building up, you can't you can't describe it. I, I keep telling everyone that week, derby week, there's, there's nothing like it. There's there's no other derby like that in in the game. They're all saying since since uh, Wigan or Bradford Leeds back in the day, but 
I'm a Leeds lad and I've been involved in the Leeds, Leeds Bradford's as junior, but for me, the Mulcair derby is something else. Families are split, uh, divided, and the, the build-up through the week, and it is general hatred between each other. Um, yeah. People at work and whoever gets them victories on on the on the weekend, it's uh, they've got that till the next game. And luckily for me, I come out on top uh, more than I did defeats against the FC, so that were always nice. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, yeah, I caught with James Webster um, and I asked him about what it was like playing with you. And here's just a little snippet of what he said uh, when I asked him about, about you, Scott Morell. Seen it. It's ugly, isn't it? Well, yeah. um, things look very ugly sometimes because, you know, some people are drinking fighters, some others. Scotty used to get nude. Um the next yeah. Um, um, fantastic again. The club spent money on him, like they just were fever. Um, 15 grand at the time. Um, uh, and I just had a gel with him. He just knew, him. um, we didn't have any stuff like you see a lot now. And just had ability to gel really well. Um, you know, as you can see, where he went on to play in positions, uh, shame he's put so much weight on his place. <laughs> That's harsh, Scott. Apologies for the uh, bit of poor sound there, but he was complimentary, a complimentary uh, Moser, and then he was. Um, it was uh, not so complimentary as well, but um, Heritage Cast with James Webster, that's going to be released uh, in the international break. Uh, but your memories of playing with him, Scott, I mean, he was a fantastic player, wasn't he? And he's, he's uh, he, I think I'm going to yeah. nickname him the Iceman. He seems so cool. Yeah, unbelievable for me as a young kid coming through. His knowledge his knowledge of the, of the game were, were second to none. And uh, I think... He just let me play as a young kid, a bit like Mikey and Abdul really. I'm obviously I've got Mikey's pace and his flair, but <laughs> just let, he just let he just let me play my own game, if that's what I'm trying to get at, really. Just let me play my own game. And we did really uh, have instinctive off each other. He would make a break, I'd be on back of it. If I if I'd make a break and I couldn't finish it, he were he were on back of it. Um but just on them sunny days used to do me heading and I had to rub some cream in him so his, his skin didn't blister when it were uh, a little bit sunnier. He still that used to do me head in a bit, but now nah, he's, he's, he's a great kid. He's, he's Webby, and we still speak to each other now, and um, I'm forever grateful for what for the impact he had on my career. I think as well, Graham. Uh, people forget how young Webber was as well. He wanted. Uh... Uh, you know, for someone who took on a lot of responsibility and, and had a lot of leadership roles at the time when he was playing and and etc. I mean, he took on he he was player coach at Rovers in two thousand five when he was what I think he was only twenty five himself and and Scotty. I mean, for you, like he was, um, you probably looked at him as an older player, but he, he actually wasn't that old himself. No, but it, when you've seen them Aussies dress sense, haven't you? So he, looked, he dressed like a fifty-year-old with his, his boot. <laughs> must have had a long paper round. Yeah, boot cut cards on and stuff like that. His little ginger, little ginger hair brushed back, and his little sticky out ears sticking out. And <laughs> <laughs> one that Bonnie still had, worry, but no, he's 
you know, he would, obviously, yeah, he would, looking back, I always thought he was really old. <laughs> but like you said, he was 25. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, we, that year, that 2006 year, was just were unbelievable, really, for me. I've just come from Leeds and playing, what did I play? I played one game and six games for London, so going straight playing against men every week. And it would probably best thing I've ever done in my career, really, to, to step back down to Championship to OKR to then kick on and play. So playing after that, I think it matured me as a person um, and a player as well. Yeah, great memories, Graham. And, and you know, if we uh, while we've got Scotty on, you know, we might as well eulogise about how good a place Scott was and how much the Rovers faithfully enjoyed um, watching him. And, and the reason you're on the podcast now, Scott, because you've still got an affinity with the club and Graham, the supporters have still got an affinity with Scotty Morell. Yeah, absolutely. Scott's a legend for, for us in, in East Hull. Um, so it's it's a pleasure to be actually sat here chatting away with, with you, Scott, as well. But I've watched Scott play many times and I think the, the, the few attributes that stood out for me around any player that, that, that has an affinity with the fans is working hard no matter what. And, and I think we always got that with, with Scott, no matter what the situation. I'm going to give my all for this shirt. Uh, I've earned the right to be in the shirt and I want to keep it. And the, there's an element of um, there's an element of, of fun in there, and you know I'm, I'm sure you're quite uh, aware of the away fans um, banter that you used to have, Scott, with, with with yourself, which again used to thrive off, I guess, and, and, and get you get your g'd up even more to play well. But I, I think I think Scott was for for us as a, as a as a player, Scott was somebody you could relate to, uh, a good, honest guy, doing his best for the club in that particular shirt. Again. Please don't hate me, Scott. Might not have been the most skillful player on the park, but certainly was not lacking any effort whatsoever to to, to play for Kingston Rovers. And I think that's what. Yeah, as a Graham, fan, I've got him on. Everybody appreciates I've got him that. On to, you've got to be. Don't be insulting him. I've got him. <laughs> Never do that, mate. Never do that to Scott. Now you were last year. You won't believe uh, when obviously uh, Neil invited me and my family to come back when I were retiring. Uh, you won't believe how that much meant to, to me and my family for to get out of that standing evasion and singing my, singing my name. It, it meant the world to me because my, my kids were young and they were okay. And for them to see that, it was awesome. Yeah. And Scott, you, you're very much in your, the early stages of your coaching career. Is, do you see yourself one day maybe being a head coach or are you you're still trying to find your feet in where you might want to go with it? Obviously, you've got to have an end goal, and, and and that would be the end goal. But I think I'm a million miles away there at the moment. I'm I'm enjoying coaching the kids, to be honest. To uh, the, the next generation of Castleford youth players, uh, I train, I coach the academy twice a week on a Tuesday and a Thursday, and, and then the reserves on a Tuesday and Thursday. Well, and I'm really enjoying that, learning them from my experiences, from my career, and, and passing my knowledge on on to them, and and then also. For the Castleford people, how they've accepted me into their into their team and in, into their fan base as well, it's it's been unbelievable. Yeah, no, Scotty, really appreciate your time and and make sure no matter what the result is on Friday that you come over to the away fans because you'll definitely get a warm reception for everything that you've done in the red and white of all Kingston Rovers. Uh, I wish you the best of luck for Friday, Scotty, but. Uh, not the really best of luck because I hope Rovers yeah. uh, come away with a victory, but I'm sure it's going to be a really interesting encounter as most games are at um, Castleford and between the two sides. So um, we wish you all the best, Scotty, and we'll hopefully catch up very soon. 
Anytime, lads. Thank you. Thank you, Jono. Cheers, Graham. Always, mate. Cheers, Scott. Thank you, mate. See ya. Yeah, true Rovers legend there. Uh, someone who's been there, Graham, done it, got yeah. the T-shirt and, and had fun while he had that T-shirt on. And I think that was the key, wasn't it? And that's why he was so relatable that, that when he played, um, he, he played with an honesty, but almost like um, a, 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 and that he was fortunate to be in that position to be able to play and he wasn't going to let anyone down um, because he wanted it so much. De definitely, I completely agree with that. And I think he he understood exactly that point you've just made about fortunate position to be there. And he was he was sort of living that for us as, as the average fan in the stand. He he could completely relate to what rugby and East Hull meant for you know for us. And he was proud, privileged to wear our shirt and, and represent the club for many years very successfully. And like you say forever be mentioned in, in positive vibes in when you mentioned Scott's name around the you know the club of Hull K. I think everybody's got fond memories of having Scott in the in the squad and yeah good luck to him in his in his new career as a as a coach. Yeah and we'll just stay on the cast game and we'll go back to Saints very shortly but um I know we do a lot of stuff on paper. On paper Rovers are absolutely flying and Castleford are not and there's lots of reasons why Cass might grab a, a victory. Uh, you know, not least the fact that Andy Last is now got a bit of security. They've been trying to ring some changes with uh, player-wise in terms of you know bringing Will Tate in, Lou Johnson. They tried to shake things up that way. That said, no, Gareth Widdop is a huge loss for them. You know, it'd be a big loss for any side. So, you know, they've not having it easy. But you know, I look at this game, Graham. I can't see how we lose. I'm going to put it out there. I cannot see how we lose. I agree. If we perform the way we have been doing, which is a very, very strong performance in the last four games where we're on the bounce, and we turn up with that same attitude and desire, commitment, belief, everything else that we've talked about before, I'm with you. I can't, I can't see us how we lose that game. The reason we lose it is because we steer away from those things that have got us to where we are now. Yeah, and there's no reason to suggest that the will, but yeah. you know it's a point. You know, not not everything lasts forever. That said, you know you look at the squad that is available to Willie Peters, and and we said about the uh, some of the conundrums he's got in terms of placing players and whether he changes at a winning side. Um, do you expect to see big changes, or do you think he'll go the same again as what he did against St. Helens? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting dilemma, isn't it? Because you've, you've practically got a fully fit squad. <laughs> Barring um, you've got a suspension and, and the odd minor injury to contend with. But effectively, he's got a fully fit squad to, to, to pick from, which is a luxury. And I don't expect him to change too much. Certainly in the spine, you won't see any changes there. The, the dilemmas are around uh, potentially Kennedy. Does he still fit into starting role or coming off the bench? Again, question marks. Does Bachelor just come straight back in for for you know to the fold? Given that he's just served the one match suspension as well, can you afford not to have Batch in the in in the match day squad? Uh, match day team, sorry. If so, who do you drop? Does that mean Hadley drops to back to the bench again? All. Positive selection choices rather than scrambling around to try and find players to fill roles 
which, you know, unfortunately some clubs are having to do at the minute. And we've been victim of that in the last few seasons ourselves. So it's a really positive challenge. And it's it's the one, it's probably a, a harder headache to have because you've got 20 plus players to choose from. And that can't go into 17 or 18 every week. Peters has got some tough choices to make to, to say to players who are playing well, sorry, guy, you're not, you're not playing this week. You, you, you're on the, you know, you're on, on the stands this week or you're in the reses. And they may have done absolutely nothing wrong that that particular week or the week before when they've been actually in the squad and those are really tough calls to make as a as a coaching coaching squad but they're the ones that they believe are going to get the result on friday night and we've got to trust that process and look one game doesn't necessarily make or break a player season but that player's then got you know the 17 15 17 more rounds whatever it is for the rest of the season who knows what injuries suspensions will bring players form will dip so those players can't afford to sulk. They've got to be ready when called upon, Monday to Thursday, and then to be ready to play on Friday if selected. And that's the the bits that's keeping everybody on the toes in the squad, I think, is there isn't a, a team sheet that goes in week in, week out, and it's it's very repetitive. He is making those changes, even when we're, we, we, you know, we're providing a winning formula. Yeah, and I suppose one of his biggest successes, Graham, so far is the fact that he's been able to implement the squad game and get that ethos within the squad that, yes, you might not be playing next week, but there's another 15 rounds to go. You will play at some stage. And any changes he has made in terms of players coming in uh gone on to, to um, justify the selection. And, and it is going to be interesting because prior to um, last week's game at St. Helens, you know, Sam Wood, was a player who was really impressed, played in a few different positions for Woody Peters. Um, maybe a player that many Rovers fans would have thought would have been on the fringes of the squad uh, this season, but he's someone who took his chance. He's now fit. Does he come back into the side? Um, Bachelor, you know, on the back of a one-game suspension, someone who's been Mr. Consistent all season for the Robins. Does he walk straight back into the side? Obviously, Frankie Holton's admission from the squad due to injury eases that slightly. Uh, but then again, like you said, you mentioned Dean Hadley, fresh from signing a new two-year contract. Willie Peter said in his press conference yesterday that he was actually the first player that he spoke to upon um, getting the Rovers job. Um, and he and he said he sat down and watched video at his work rate. Um, he looks at his injury record and he said, look, if I can get him fit, he's the kind of player... I want it in my team. Not many Rovers fans have probably predicted that because we all know what a work horse he is. We know how he applies himself, but he isn't probably one who shines because he's doing all the graft, all the dirty work. But he played against St. Helens. He'd be hard done by if he got dropped and back to the kit. And so, you know, you look across the whole side um, and, and, you, and you start to wonder, you know, where does he make these changes? And he has admitted it's the worst part of his job telling players, telling blokes that, look, sorry, mate, you're not in this week. Um, and having to and having to explain to him, you know, he's going to go a different way. And it is a, a tough challenge. But um, the St. Helens victory, you know, we've already mentioned it just before Scott Morell came on. Corey Hall on debut, um, only 20 years of age. Um, Willie Pitt is very impressed by his strength. And what I was very impressed with when he, uh, Lachlan Coates tried, when he managed to get that offload back to Abdul, Abdul gets the pass away. Yes, St. Helens knocked the ball back and then Coop's there to pick it up. But um, he is somebody who will now say, well, I 
I've done a pretty I've done pretty well on my debut. Uh, Mr. Willie Peters, I want to be playing against Castleford on Friday night. Yeah, and I think we, we talked about this when the, the signing was announced of Corey Hall. I think he's already got 30 games under his belt at Super League. I mean, I'm sure mm. somebody might correct me on that, but we, no, I'm, sure right, we, I'm sure we pulled that stat out when, when we, we sort of looked him up and, and, and talked about him a few weeks back. And it was interesting because he wasn't in the squad, first of all, when he when he first signed, which again was a surprise. And even this week, he Willie Peters sort of said he'll have to wait his turn. Now his turn came the day after when he announced the squad and, and, and Corey Hall was in it. But uh, that was due, you know, due to unfortunate injury to, to Woody there. But he, he talk about taking an opportunity with both hands. He was presented that and he, he looked absolutely rock solid in that in that position inside Ryan Hall and outside Kane Lynette. It was a very strong left edge. And then if you couple that with potentially Bachelor, Opachik and Kenny Dowell as our left and right edges, you're thinking they're very solid out out wide. We've got no fear of, of you know getting picked off on the let's say the right edge, which we have done historically. That that looks rock solid to me out there. And I think Corey Hall will only get better as a player. He looks physically very athletic and he's got a really good um sort of prowess when he's on the field with ball in hand. He's very aggressive and he backs that up with his as as you mentioned before, John that, that Peter's praised him for his kick chase. And especially in that second half to keep us on the momentum. The amount of times he closed Merkinson down, for example, on kick chase and limited limited a dangerous player in Merkinson from, from getting any meterage upfield. And we were starting on the front foot in defence rather than you know Merkinson coming like a, a a rocket at us and gaining 20 easy metres. He was there closing down straight away to, to stop that happening. So I think he's a, he's a really exciting prospect that I'm looking forward to seeing develop even further um, over the coming seasons. And certainly if we're talking about um, succession planning and how long has SKD got in the legs, we don't know that at the stage, but we've got a ready-made replacement there, no doubt, in my opinion. Well, I suppose the, the best compliment you could probably play, uh, Corey Hall, on the back of Friday's game um, is that he um, slotted into that position almost Sean Kenny Dowell-like uh, yeah. in terms of his performance. Um, and that left edge was so potent. I mean, Corey Hall, 14 carries, 118 metres, 8-metre average gain. Ryan Hall, 16 carries, 153 metres, 10-metre average gain. All coming from your, your left edge, which is which is incredible, really. And, and that's what I mean. They're the kind of stats, you know, out. Um, and yeah, it's still early days, but succession planning, you know, you're looking, is that a ready-made replacement? A lot of people wondered if Will Tate was going to be that player down the line. Obviously not, because he's now departed and, and he's gone to Castleford, although Willie Peters did say that the club would have would wish to retain him, but he's gone. Um, but, you know, what baptism of fire that is, uh, coming up against Dickinson and Morell. <laughs> And St Helens' uh, right edge. It's a fantastic testament to his performance. Another player who has been performing admirably. Um, we've talked about one prop who didn't, you know, really show up against St Helens. I mean, on that, <laughs> Reese Kennedy, uh, four missed tackles. To his credit, eighteen tackles. He made two carries. He made four meters uh, on in the back of his two carries, uh, which is. And that was in his 20-minute spell, which is, is no return whatsoever. Someone who did much better in their spell, Sam Luckley, 15 tackles, 
Um, seven carries, 88 metres. An average gain of 13 metres is, is uh, fantastic. For, for a prop, you know, you're looking at, you're going up to Paul Vaughan, so that's uh, almost with, with that uh, level of metres made. And Sam Luckley, yes, I think, Graham, you'll agree. He needs to probably work on his offload game a little bit better in terms of his decision-making. The offload is there, yeah. but he does yeah. put it to ground a few times too often. Yeah, I think when when we first signed uh, Luckley, a few people might have raised an eyebrow about what's he going to bring to the squad, but I think I think we're seeing that now, and he, he's settling into to a regular um, place in the in the match day squad, and I think we're seeing the impact he's making, and, and I think you're right, absolutely, and I think Peters has alluded to it before around the game plan isn't to offload at any opportunity. The game plan is to offload when the time is right and, and the cues are there to, to do so. So that's a part of his game that he'll have to develop, obviously. And if 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 he doesn't, then surely Peters will pick up that and send him the same way that, that he's done with, with Kennedy, perhaps. But those numbers are very impressive for, uh, for Sam Luckley and, and certainly those metres gained against the world champions who are renowned for quick line speed and, and strong and aggressive in the middle, that those are those are very impressive. So, yeah, like I'm sure many others and the listeners out there, I'm sure been very impressed with what we've seen so far with Sam. Yeah, 100%. And probably uh, another player people might uh, uh, thought would be on the fringes of the squad, whereas now we can't really imagine uh, uh, an 18-man squad without him in it. So it's, it's testament to him how he's took his opportunity and, he, and he's... Really put the graft in to, to do that. Um, Mikey Lewis, the mercurial Mikey Lewis, um, absolutely ran the show against the Black and Whites, receives yeah. a call up to the England squad, and then he goes and, and puts it into the sword with another fantastic performance. Uh, two tries for him on the night. Um, that first try, he, he, I mean, he sent St. Ellen's. You know that that edge into the car park with that dummy. Uh, it was yeah, an absolutely I mean, fantastic piece of skill. <laughs> watching it, watching it back, I think he sent Conrad Hurrell and Tommy Makinson off for a hot dog, and then just dived inside him and and, and scored a try. And I, I think when I, when I was knew I was going to join you this week, John, I was thinking about Mikey Lewis. And as a fan, watching his development over the last few years, it's been spectacular to watch. And I don't use that word lightly because we we've all seen him as a dare I say, a scrawny 18-year-old kid. Now, I know he's not much older than that now, but physically he's improved his his um, appearance. And his game's developing week by week. And now he's, you know, I was thinking about the attributes that he has got. And obviously he's not the finished article at 21 years of age or so. And he's got lots, lots to continue to learn. But he's got a, a short kicking game, which is good. He's got a good long kicking, decent long kicking game. He's been on the shoulder for breakaways, so he knows that part of the role. When he's got ball in hand, he's got he's got various attributes that I think have developed given his new body strength that he's got. In fact, that we've seen him run directly at the line a lot more and, and taking on those middle defenders. But he's also got that that dare I say Rob Burrow esque that that short, sharp staccato movement where he stops, changes direction, unseats defenders, and then goes for the gaps and creates havoc. He's got all that in his game now. We're seeing this week in, week out. And it was interesting thinking back to what Johnny said when I watched Johnny last week from St. Helens talking about how uh, 
moulding the next Saints halfback when Johnny Lomax retires and it'd be great to have Mikey Lewis in their squad. He said it in jest, but I think he was hoping that's that's the regard that the world champions have as a fan for for our number you know, our number seven effectively. So it it's as a fan again, it's great for us to be able to watch that week in, week out and enjoy this journey that that of development that Mikey's going through. And it's all for us, as in it's for our club, is is one of our own. We know that. But it, it's it's really interesting to see it happening in front of our eyes for those that, that have seen him for the last few years, developing into this, I don't say a complete player, but he's got all the attributes needed to be a really top player in the game. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a run out as an opportunity at number seven for England alongside Williams at some point and really establishes himself in, in the international fold. And who knows what happens after that? Can we keep hold of him when he's in his best years? I'd love to think we can, but what you know, what might that bring for the future? Well, uh, I think key to keep him in is is Rovers be successful. Uh, people don't leave successful clubs, do they? So you know the club have got a responsibility. But hey, look, it is still early days in his career. But Graham, you've been watching the Robins a lot longer than me, and I think people for a long supporters for a long, long time have been desperate for a homegrown uh, player, especially in that position. So really come onto the stage, someone who we can, uh, the kids aspire to, the the older are, are entertained by, you know, we've all been wanting that player and, and it looks like Mikey Lewis is the one, you know, some sound advice from Scotty Morell, you know, keep your feet on the ground, keep doing the hard work. I'm sure Woody Peters will not be uh, letting him get carried away. Um, I think he's nailed on to being that England squad. I think it's 40-man squad at the moment. Sean Wayne's going to narrow it down to 20. If he's if Mikey Lewis isn't in that squad, uh, barring any injury, then you know I'd be I'd be massively surprised, and especially on the back of him playing for the England Knights as well. You know, you talk about succession plan. What is the point of the England Knights if you're not going to then promote players who have been through that that uh, system and into the into the team? Of course, John and Abdul uh, and Jez Litton received corps as well, so it's fantastic compliment to them. John and Abdul, one of the leading point scorers in the the Manasseh Awards. Jez Litton, we all know what he can do. Um, we know what his game's about, and he's definitely been a, a great foil for Matty Parcel this season so far. So it's going to be interesting to see what they they do. Um, going back to the game against St Helens, obviously Jez Litton scores. Um, Matty Parcel with two kicks through. We've not really seen that this season yet, have we? That that short kicking game. Mikey Lewis benefited from it. Jez Litton benefited from it. Two tries for the Robins there. Um, you know, it's another string to the bow that we've not yet seen, uh, and it's something that could be exploited in the in, in games to come. Yeah, because it, it then takes the focus off Lewis or Abdul being the one to kick, and it poses another question for the defenders about what happens when Parcells got ball in hand, fifteen meters from the line, ten meters from the line. Is he going to pass it? Actually, now we know he's got a kicking game, short kicking game that can turn Saints around and. Um, and, and cause you know cause problems. So for us, it's another attacking weapon that again, using those three weapons that we've got in that red zone, it's going to keep defenders guessing. And hopefully on on Friday night we'll see him have a have a potential field day um, in terms of you know uh, us attacking and dominating our or imposing ourselves on and Cass and asking them all the questions. Are you good enough to deal with this this attack that we've got going on? Yeah, and that's why I pose this question to Scott because 
no matter how much preparation, how much game plan, how much video analysis you do, it's players like Mikey Lewis, you can't, and, and you know, Mikey, uh, Matt Parcell to a certain extent, Jez Litton to a certain extent, you can't plan for the unpredictable. And that's what we seem to have. So, yes, we're a side built on hardware. We're a side built on uh, work rate, laying the platform, laying the foundations. But when that opportunity arises, we've got them strapped inside who can create something, who can do that bit of magic, who can do the dummy, can put the shot kick in, complemented by Jordan Abdul, who can put the bomb in and get in some field position if needed. And I tell you what, it is going to be interesting to see what happens on Pride against Castleford with Jordan Abdul's kicking game. Because actually, against Saints, I thought Jordan was a little bit quiet. I don't, I don't think it was his best game of the season. Yes, he, he ticked over. But I, I wouldn't say it was um, a game where uh, Jordan's performance would live long in the memory. No, and I, I think we've got to accept that that might have been a, a tactic of the game. It's not It's not going to be, right, let's get the ball to Jordan and let's, let him launch it as high as he can because that becomes predictable. And it won't be, you know, it won't be as effective every single time like we saw in the Leeds game, for example, where we had a field day with it. It won't always be like that. So we, we can't become a one-trick pony with Jordan and, and he's a much better player than just having a big boot on him. Much better than, than that. And I think for us to mix it up, it just keeps people guessing and it, it, it stops us being predictable. When you're predictable, you can defend or set yourself up to defend easily against that. When you're unpredictable, you haven't got a clue what's coming next. So whether it's Lytton, Parcel, Lewis, Abdul, who's pulling the string, that's difficult for, for, for a defensive team to, to understand. Whereas if it's just, we know it's going to Abdul, we know he's going to boot it high, we'll just drop three or four men back and we'll, you know, we'll deal with it there. That 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 for me isn't best use of Jordan's talents and, and the, the squad's talents. I think we've got to make sure that we use the right tactics at the right times in the right areas for the right reasons. And when when we do do that, and it showed against Saints, it, I won't say it caught everybody off guard, but it certainly caught Saints off guard that Parcel was the one dinking the ball through for, for two of those tries to be you know to be touched down um, and unlocking what what usually is a miserly defence. Yeah, and since uh, that victory over Wakefield, um, one player who steps up really well in terms of his kicking duties is Lachlan Coop. Um, I think he got five kicks against. Uh, they got four kicks against Leeds. He got six kicks against um, the Black and Whites, and then against St Helens, he got um, five kicks. You know, and then points do do make prizes, don't they? Because they're the difference, especially in a game like the St Helens one, where you know you are you are fighting for every point. Then kicks become so precious. Um, and I think Lachlan Koo has got his shooting boots on at last. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's good to see because I think we talked at the back end of last season or the beginning of this season about one area for improvement that we wanted to see. And it was in the kicking department because we were getting into good areas and we were you know, posting points, but we weren't converting the four into six. And, and like you say, that can be the difference between the right side of a, of a close game or coming out on the wrong side of a close game. And when you're battling and scrapping for, for the top six, um, places you've got to you know you've got to come up with with those extra points because you know when you're playing the Wiggins Saints Warringtons of this world every point is going to be hard to come by so if you can be consistent with your kicking and striking at an 80 plus 90 percent uh, succession rate 
that's going to carry you forward, no doubt, in terms of being successful. Definitely. Last season, some 10% kicking, I'm sure it was something which is not good enough. But hey, look, it's happening. You know, let's long may it continue, especially on Friday. Ride the wave, John. Ride the wave. Quickly, yeah, ride the wave. Derry quickly, uh, Louis Johnson on loan to Castleford Tigers from Hulkingston Rovers. Um, do you agree with being able to play against your parent club? The two clubs have talked about this before as part of what the contract looks like. And I think we've got the opportunity to recall him at, at any time um, as part of that. Um, he's gone over there for game time. Um, yeah, I don't know is the honest answer. Um, it depends. If I, 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 get, I get he's gone for great game time, but does that game time have to be against us? Because... Um, you know, player. one argument one argument is, yeah, Woody Peters is happy for him to play because he knows him inside out, he knows what his game is and he knows what he's going to bring. The flip side is, Louis Johnson has the game of his life, scores two tries, boom, 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 and that's the difference between winning and losing. And that's, yeah, well, you know, that's yeah. a scenario that might be far off, but, you know, sport is sport and that could happen. And, and I just think, as a club, you protect yourself from that, Opportunity rising, and the easiest way to do that is by not letting him play. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I do agree with you there, and that that should have been sorted out once the you know at the point of of sorting the terms of, of the um, of the loan move across, and that will have been decided at, at the time between both you know both sides. So it would be unfair now to, to sort of insist on something that wasn't agreed at, at you know at the point of um, the transaction taking place. So if it's been agreed by Willie Peters that he, he can play or the club that he can play. Fair enough. We just have to deal with it. We know what he's about. You know, we should know enough about him to know where his strengths are and what he can bring to a squad if and if he plays. Um, and we should be able to deal with that. I think, again, we shouldn't necessarily worry about other teams, what they can do to us. We, we should be worrying about what we're going to do to them and make them think about us more. So, yes, we'll pay due care and attention to but... It's actually, I think it's probably an advantage because we know what he's all about. If he does play, we know his strengths, we know his, what his game's like, so we can, you know, we can read that and counteract that, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Another spoke on a two-week loan. Uh, we haven't even talked about IMG. That's going to be on another podcast. Um, but like we said, we travelled to Castleford uh, with expectations on Friday night. Graham expecting a victory for the Robins. Uh, yeah, I am. I, I like. I've developed a confidence that I feel. I feel uneasy having. It's not normal for us as, as Robins fans to to have this confidence going into games, and I quite like it. I don't know about anybody else, but I quite quite enjoy this yeah. feeling of we've got one up on the, the the team before we even start because of, of our performances so far and it's great to, it's a great feeling to be to be have after so so many years of wondering where the next victory is coming from or how we're going to dig ourselves out of this hole and what's happened to all our players they're all sat on the treatment table like i said a few minutes ago we've got to ride this wave while it's here because we never know how long it's it's going to last so let's enjoy it let's go with confidence let's not be arrogant but let's go with confidence because we've got 
we've seen all seen over the last nine, ten games that we've got enough there to be competitive at the top table. So I don't think we should fear going across to Castleford. Um, I think we should, you know, in Willie Peters' world, I think we should impose the KR way of playing on onto them and let them worry about that. And if we do what we do or have been doing and we do it on Friday night, I'm confident that we'll come away with the two points. Excellent. There's expected uh, to be close to 1,500 Rovers fans at Castleford on Friday night. If you go in, be loud, be proud. Don't chuck any bottles or pints at people, especially your own supporters. Let's stay as dry as possible. Uh, it's going to be a great night. Hopefully, Rovers come away with a victory and we're going to the international break, cementing that third place spot or even moving higher up in the table. This has been the Robin Podcast Weekly, powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants. For now, please just live, love, laugh and be happy. Thank <laughs> you.